Well, hey everyone, welcome to Sea Road at Home. I'm so glad that you have tuned in. Welcome to the month of June. You know, May in Ontario, Canada, oh, we had hailstones and a heat wave. That's how our month was bookended. So we are just hoping for a calm, warm June. Tell me, what are you hoping for from where you're at? Let me know in the comments below. Well, my name is Roger and I am kicking off our new series from Proverbs called Foolproofing Your Life. I want to ask you, how many of you remember Mr. T and his famous saying, I pity the fool. Well, we are going to be looking at how not to be a fool according to the book of Proverbs. So listen up, just give me 20 minutes. You will want to hear this. The big idea of the series is this. The book of Proverbs was originally written to a young man by his elder in an attempt to pass down both godly wisdom and instruction. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to explore the book's themes of wisdom and folly. Basically, the right way to live and the wrong way to live with specific touch points for both students as well as adults. How can followers of Jesus build their lives on a foundation of wisdom? What does the book of Proverbs say about how we can live our daily life? Well, one author says this, in order to build successful careers, relationships, and families, we must learn wisdom. The book of Proverbs is a collection of instructions for acquiring wisdom and for living wisely. Now, many of the instructions in the book are self-contained thoughts that are arranged in a way that's easy to remember. And most of them are composed with opposing actions of the wise and the wicked presented side by side. So basically that reminds me of my school days when we were asked to compare and contrast either the storylines of two different novels or different characters within a novel. Well, the book of Proverbs has us compare and contrast the wise person with the foolish person. Now, chapter one, it reads a little bit like the beginning of a debate. There is a brief introduction in verses one to seven, which is followed by opening statements, basically from opposing parties, as it were. So let's start with that introduction, Proverbs one, uh, verses one to seven. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, there are some terms here that might be offensive. The Hebrew word rendered simple in Proverbs denotes a person uh, without moral direction. He's gullible and inclined to evil. That's what it means to be simple in this context. And the Hebrew word rendered fool in Proverbs and elsewhere in the New Testament as well, denotes a person who is morally deficient. So the fool is someone uh, without morals. So you know, anyone who has no appetite for correction or self-reflection, the type of person who is always right and won't listen, that might be the type of person labeled the fool 
in Proverbs. And when we encounter these types of people, we're likely to roll our eyes, you know, mutter under our breath, idiot. You know the type, right? Well, King Solomon, he did not want any of his sons to fall into that category. So he writes out this great book to help his sons make it in their world to not be losers. Well, King Solomon, he is known to be the wisest person who ever lived. And he gives us counsel so we get the benefit. So if you're not an idiot, you will listen to what he has to say. Gain wisdom and add to your learning. Now, oddly enough, one of the first things King Solomon recommends is having respect for God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, if you are adverse to believing in God, if you don't have respect for others who believe in God, you are already at a disadvantage. You are already closed off to the rest of the wisdom that King Solomon has to offer. Therefore, the first point in not being a fool is to be open to the concept of God. Be ready to acknowledge that there is a creator to fear the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord actually is more than just mere respect or reverence. The Bible uses the word fear at least 300 times in reference to God. So we ought not to downplay it. But how do we reconcile something like 1 John 4 that says perfect love drives out all fear with the instruction to fear God? What is it with this dichotomy? How can we fear God while his perfect love casts out fear? Johanna Reardon is an author who says this, Scripture is full of examples of how fearing God is positive rather than a negative thing. For example, in Genesis 42, Joseph wins his brother's trust when he declares that he is a God-fearing man. In Exodus, it was because the midwives feared God that they obeyed him instead of the authorities by sparing the Hebrew babies. Pharaoh, he brought disaster on his nation because he did not fear God. And Moses, he chose leaders to help him on the basis that they feared God and they wouldn't take bribes. And Leviticus, it cites fear of God as a reason to treat the disabled and the elderly well. And lest you think that this is just an Old Testament idea, you note that Jesus states this stronger than anyone when he says, do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And Paul the Apostle, he says to work toward complete holiness because we fear God. So it's clear from many passages that fearing God is good because it saves us from caving in to our own sinful nature. And that's why hearing that someone is a God-fearing person actually makes us trust that person more. If they fear God, they're more likely to keep their word and treat others with kindness. I want to tell you an example from my teacher's college days about someone thinking I was trustworthy. I happened to have this tapestry hanging in my dorm room. And a fella came by, he saw it, he was a little puzzled by the religious nature of it all. But he was going to be away for two months uh, while the rest of us were still in session. And he didn't want to cart away his room fridge. So he says to me, and he hardly knew me, 
will you keep my fridge? Um, because he saw this uh, religious tapestry, he uh, surmised that I was a God-fearing man. So my fear of God yields many fine results, like a, a free fridge for a couple months, along with the beginning of knowledge. Now, King Solomon, he continued. Let's look at it. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Your parents' advice might actually be good for you. And all the parents said, Amen! Hey, kids, come on! You've got to listen to this. You're all hitting pause and, and rewinding to, to listen to the pastor say, kids, listen to your parents' advice. You know, this just might be the feature, uh, might be the piece that we feature later this week. I will say, however, that some of our instructions tend towards the mundane. You know, turn off the lights, shut the door, leave your sister alone. Or how about the dad classic? Pull my finger. Those instructions. But then there are other instructions that people give to really set their loved ones up for success. Starting with things like, what do you say? You know, please or thank you when we're teaching our kids. And as children grow, the instructions become more complex. Now one author writes this, making wise choices is a lot like saving and spending. The choices we make with our money today will impact us years from now. For example, buying an $8 meal at a fast food restaurant, it does not seem like an event that will greatly impact your future. But if you buy one meal every day and twice on weekend days, by the end of the week that comes to $72. Well, in one year, that is $3,744. And that is money that you may need one day to fix your car. Now, if you manage to keep saving that for five years, you will have $18,720. Well, that could buy a car that may not break down as often. You know, when spending a little here and a little there, it never feels like waste. Saving a little here and saving a little there rarely feels like progress. But if we're able to start making these wise choices, we will see their impact as they compound and grow into things that last for the rest of our lives. So wisdom can be very practical, kind of even behind the scenes or hidden, but with an eventual payoff. Listen to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now after the opening paragraph of Proverbs, uh, listing the virtues of wisdom, we see a warning against falling in with evil people in verses 10 to 19. Now, many of us may think that it sounds strange for someone to be enticed by an invitation to ambush and rob innocent people. But, you know, we don't get to that place in our lives where that kind of invitation appeals to us immediately. We get there the same way we get to the place where wisdom becomes appealing. We get there gradually, step by step. Now, many get there by mishandling money or mishandling relationships or educational opportunities. And some may get there due to issues that weren't even their fault. Family medical emergencies, uh, loss of parents, or abusive homes. You know, when we are in a place where we think there's no escape, sometimes illegal 
or immoral activities can look appealing. And they seem to promise relief or to get something we want quickly, but in the end, that can lead to death. You know, the current rise of home invasions and robberies right here in Brockville is evidence that the pressures of the day are getting to people. And rather than act wisely, they are behaving foolishly. If only they would heed King Solomon's counsel. Let's look at it. Proverbs chapter 1, now we're at verses 10 to 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. You know, if King Solomon were to write in 2020, he might say things like this. Do not bend to peer pressure. Do not be an online bully. Also, gang life is not the life for you. Criminal activity is not the way to live. Rather, fear God and live wisely. Now, I want you to recall that point number one um, in not being a fool is to fear God. And so point number two would be that fools lead us to sin. And point number three is coming up. It's that wisdom leads us to safety. Now, in the final portion of this chapter, wisdom is personified. If you recall from your English class, personification is attributing a human trait or characteristic to something that is non-human, even a concept like wisdom. So, let my talk kind of be your quarantine English class today. You know, my other career was a teacher, so I can't help myself. Well, wisdom is described as a woman calling aloud to the simple to turn from their foolishness. But if they don't, they will reap what they sow. It seems to me that wisdom's rescue has a time limit on it. If you don't turn from your foolishness, you will eventually pay. And all wisdom will do is say, I told you so. Let's look at it. Verses 20 to 33. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured my heart out to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you have rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I'll mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. 
since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools, it will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Kind of like the expiry date on the milk carton in my fridge, there is a time to heed wisdom's call. And just like that um, saving versus spending example that I used earlier, if you ignore wisdom's voice in the early days, that frames up the results of your later days. It's that whole reap what you sow principle. Verse 31 says, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. I want to ask you, have you ever been in that position where you said, if only, if only I had listened, if only I could do it over. Those words, if only, tend to indicate some feelings of regret. And really, we do in those moments, pity the fool. But I want to thank God for the good news that when we heed wisdom's call to repent, then her thoughts get poured out to us. Her teachings, her counsel, her strategies, they lead us to safety and ease. If onlys can be replaced with thank God that. So the bottom line for today is this. Don't be an idiot. Fear God. Let me conclude with this. When you build your life upon the love of God and his precepts, the wisdom that he offers from amazing sources like the Proverbs, well, then you set yourself up for success in God's kingdom. You'll be foolproofing your life. Well, trust God with it all and you will not be shaken.